Hello, friends. Welcome aboard the Round Trip Stories podcast, where we share stories of moving around the world and back again, reflecting on the lessons we've learned along the way. My name is Melissa. And my name is Tracy. And we are excited to welcome you to this Round Trip Stories customs episode. Merry Christmas 2023 and Happy New Year 2024. Instead of picking a random customs topic, this month, the holiday season picked our customs topic for us. For years, Tracy and I have loved reminiscing together about how we celebrated the holidays with our families when we lived in other countries. So we're excited this month to share some of our favorite stories about Christmas and New Year's with you. And we're gonna share some of your stories too. The holidays bring up so many memories of childhood and family traditions. What happens when we are away from our home countries and trying to celebrate? Or when we are back in our home country, has our way to celebrate changed? These times can be times of deeply missing our loved ones and feeling like we are missing out. They can also be a time of refocus, a time of whittling down a celebration into its original meaning. And the holidays can be a time of remembering our own culture and celebrating that. Let's hear some custom stories about Christmas and New Year's from around the world. It's Christmas time, Melissa. Yes, yes. Welcome, friends. Welcome to our season finale and special holiday customs chat customs episode that we are finishing 2023 with. We're so glad that you are taking some time to listen. And I'll tell you that in my imagination, some of you are out there wrapping Christmas presents or maybe running your Christmas errands or who knows what you're doing. But I just hope that this is a fun episode for you to listen to as you are doing your things, either getting ready for Christmas and New Year's or cleaning up after Christmas and New Year's. But just thankful that we get to take some time to reminisce and share some special holiday stories together. And Christmas time always brings back a flood of memories from yes. childhood, from our experiences, of course, our experiences abroad and then coming back home. Yeah, and on that note, we hope that these holidays have been joy-filled for you and will be joy-filled for you. But we also recognize that it might be a time of heaviness, depending on where you are in your transition back. Um, but we hope that these memories... And these stories can bring some lighthearted um, hope and remembrances to your to your heart too, and that maybe even they just help you put a finger on. Oh yeah, that's one of the weird kind of feelings that I'm feeling right now that I didn't even notice. But now that you say that, I realize I'm feeling that too. And because that's that's part of my story too. I think for this this season, but we'll get into that. Yeah. Melissa, tell me about what you think about when you think about Christmas and related to your time abroad and your transition back. Oh, it is, it is so special to think about these kind these stories and they are 
kind of like you mentioned, they are definitely mixed with so many emotions. You know, there's joy and there's grief at all mixed up. I think that that is just the way the way it goes, right? Um, but and I actually have sort of different stories that I'm gonna that I want to share sort of throughout this episode. But I want to start with the one that is the most amazing to me, and it is um, about panetón which you may, people may or may not know what it is, depending on where in the world you live. I had never had panaton, which is a bread. It's actually Italian. It's a kind of cake made with, um, or I don't know if it's cake or a bread, but it's, I guess it's a bread. That it's got orange flavoring and it has raisins and other sweetened, you know, dried fruits and things in it. And back in 2009, so this is before we even had any idea that we were ever that we were going to be moving abroad um, soon after this or, you know, a couple of years later. My husband, we're in our house in Fresno. My husband comes home one day on Christmas Eve with this box of panetón and just announces that this is our new Christmas Eve tradition. <laughs> and I love it. I was like, OK, well, this is random, but all right. But fast forward to a year later, we have all of a sudden gone through this whirlwind, realizing that we were, that maybe it was time for us to move abroad and be missionaries after not having thought about it for years. And so we applied and we got accepted to our denominational missions training. And in December, um, we were of the following year in 2010, we were up in Canada. So we're from California, but we spent three and a half months up in Canada in British Columbia doing training. And while we were up there at some point, it probably wasn't Christmas, but at some point while we were up there, I was reading a magazine from, you know, it was like from our church denomination. And somebody in that magazine was telling the story about how they had been, about when they were missionaries in Peru. And how, which by then I, we were thinking about Peru as being where we were going to go. We didn't know yet for sure, but it was where we were thinking God was calling us to go. So that caught my attention that this person was writing this story about Peru, because at that point we were just seeing signs and stories of Peru all over the place. And we just felt like God was saying, Peru, 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 this is where you're going. So I'm reading this story about this missionary family in Peru and how on Christmas Eve they had gone over to somebody's house and they had invited them in, this Peruvian family, had invited the, this this man in and offered them some hot chocolate and some panetón because this was like the essential flavor, basically, of Christmas in Peru. And I just was stunned because I realized that this is the same, you know, bread that my husband a year before had said, this is our new tradition without any idea <laughs> that it had any connection with anywhere else in the world. And now a year later, I learned that that panetón is actually something that is essential to Christmas celebrations in the country that we were thinking that we were going to be moving to. Mm. And it was just, it was just wild. And so, so every year after that, I've always remembered how God 
used something as simple as panetón, this, you know, Christmas bread to help confirm what he was calling us to do. And now it's just such a sweet memory and to, that we got to go and spend three Christmases in Peru, sharing, literally breaking bread, sharing panetón with people. And mm. now it's all over the grocery stores here too. Yes. And I always think of you now when I see it. I was in Walmart. They had a giant Christmas tree of boxes of panetón. I'm like, oh, <laughs> there's yes. Melissa's bread, yeah. Christmas bread. Well, let's see. I want to tell a story about when we moved into our, our first apartment in China and um, the, the school paid for our apartments because we worked with the school. And so we didn't have um, a choice, which was fine. And um, it was a furnished apartment. And it also had some stuff in the closet. And um, actually, there was a, um, a Christmas tree in the closet. <laughs> to Beijing, China. Yeah. And we're like, perfect, you know? And I was like, gosh, were foreigners living here before us? Like, why is there a Christmas tree in the closet? Well, then later I come to find out that some Chinese families do put up a tree. And I mean, there's there's sales during Christmas time. Employees wear Christmas hats. I mean, there's no Mm. uh, religious Mm -hmm. connection to Christmas, but it's it's about the materialism. But this did allow us to put up a tree Every, every time, well, that was one year and we live in that apartment. Um, I, we might have taken that tree with us. I, I was going to say, but, did you leave it behind for the next I think we did because it wasn't our property. But yeah. I, I don't know. I, we must have gotten uh, um, a little fake tree for our years in the other apartment. But um, near mm-hmm. the embassy section of Beijing, near the Third Ring Road, they ha- would set up this Christmas market and you could mm. buy all these ornaments and decorations and we did go there a couple times and it was it's just beautiful because it's part mm-hmm. of our tradition and we could mm-hmm. we could see it in in China and yeah. we're thankful yeah. for you know helping that um for just that memory and that able ability to celebrate what we were used mm-hmm. to celebrating but I also liked um being able to be simple and um and just focus on Christ and not have a lot of stuff. Like when we were there, um, we were just there with toddlers. And so they don't, you know, mm-hmm. having a, a train set from Ikea was completely satisfying to them. <laughs> or, you know, a stuffed animal. And um, we you, did wait, miss you our had family. Ikea, you had Ikea in China? Oh, yeah. Ikea wow. um, is all over China and the big cities, I mean, and every yeah. city is big. Is, is so be? when we lived in Wuhan, there they opened an IKEA. Yeah, I don't think there was an IKEA. At least there wasn't an IKEA in Lima or anywhere in Peru oh. that I know of when we were there. Oh. <laughs> or maybe IKEA just hadn't got into South America yet. So okay, so <laughs> a train set from IKEA was good enough. And how the simplicity? We're talking about the yeah, simplicity. Yeah, I. I even though we we missed our family tremendously, like especially that first Christmas, you know, you just had like a pit in your stomach, and you want I wanted mm-hmm. to go back so bad, um, mm-hmm. but we didn't because it's expensive and far. 
and and but we did yep. get to talk with family through Skype, which wasn't the same thing, but it was right. something. And mm-hmm. but we just we could have a quiet, simple celebration of what we wanted to make it to be, instead mm-hmm. of having like all this craziness around Christian uh, Christmas that that we tend yeah. to have here in the United States. Yeah, yeah. So what was Christmas like for you in Peru? You know, it was, so we moved to Peru. We landed in the country on December 15th. So Hmm. we landed smack in the middle of the Christmas season. And Peru, because it's a Catholic country, like Catholicism is the national religion. So it's very it's very much celebrated and something that was interesting that i um that we noticed was all of the parks have nativity scenes so joseph and mary and the animals and all the things that you know we're familiar with here in north america um but they don't put out the baby jesus until christmas eve yeah and he's not born yet that makes right, total sense right it does. And I always wondered, but because they're all in these public places, I always wondered who goes and puts out all the baby Jesuses on Christmas Eve on the, at night. I don't know. But um, it was a mystery. It was a mystery to me. But seeing and there, but there were these huge artificial Christmas trees in the town, you know, plazas, the downtown plazas and everything was all decorated and um, even though it wasn't cold because it was actually the beginning of summer, they there were just also finishing up their school year because they're south of we were south of the equator. So their high school and ever graduations are also happening in December. Can you imagine? <sighs> That's and, busy. And um, then everybody's getting ready to go on summer vacation. And so in the stores, there were Santas and swimsuits on sale and <laughs> because it was summer. But it's like your poem, we, like yes, your poem, exactly. January that I shared last time. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And but we got there and just listening to the new Christmas music and going to the church you know, for the Christmas programs, it just all was so new and fresh and lovely. And I was, you know, we were grieving some from having said goodbye to family, of course, and all of those things. But the real heaviness of a lot of the grieving hadn't quite kicked in yet because we had just barely gotten there. And so it was just, it was, it was fun there was the time the next year when we had moved again and I, we were trying to, we were putting up a Christmas tree and I couldn't find the box of Christmas ornaments that we had brought with us from California. And it had like the ornaments that the kids had made when they were tiny and like all those special memories. And I couldn't find this box. And I was like on the verge of panicking, wondering, did we leave it when we moved from that other city? like what what happened to this box and then all of a sudden at one point somebody you know as we were looking all over the house which wasn't very big so and there wasn't really very many places it could have been realized there was this random box that was outside on the patio like right outside the kitchen that had been sitting there for months since we had moved and nobody had ever opened it because nobody ever needed it and I realized oh 
That was it. Yay. That was it. So I found it. And it just, it meant so much. And even now, the other day when I was decorating our Christmas tree, I hung all sorts of Peruvian ornaments all over it because it just, I just have such a fondness in my heart. I think that Kat would call it, it'd be the Natsukashi. We talked about in her interview. Yes. That it just makes me so happy. But all of those happy feelings, the first, we've been back now for nine Christmases, I think. Um, and the first year that we were back, I could not listen. I haven't listened to it now this year just because I haven't found it. But the first couple of years, I had some Christmas music that I brought back. These like just these old some traditional Christmas. Yes, mm-hmm. Peruvian Christmas music that I brought back on a CD that we bought from somewhere. And the first couple of years, like I could not even listen to it because I just knew it was like just the thought of it made me want to cry because I missed it so much. And I missed the people and I missed all this stuff. And um, I wrote I wrote a story. I mean, like I wrote a post about grieving um, during the holidays when you have left a place that you loved and shared Mm. it on somebody's blog once. And because it was just, it hurt so much at first. But the good thing is that at this point, I still have the memories, but it doesn't hurt as much anymore. Now I'm able mm. to remember the sweet things and um, and it doesn't, yeah. it's not as painful as yeah. it was at first. So, You know, your story also reminds me of um, how we can, Christmas time can be an opportunity to remember the mm-hmm. traditions. And um, we also hang Chinese um, decorations on our Christmas tree. And they're not actually orn- well, they're ornaments. They're like, um, I don't know, like little charms. Okay. <laughs> yeah. They're like fabric charms, kind of like you would see on a, um, like a rear view mirror or something. Not, oh, not sure, huge, sure. but small. I mean, they're, and they're pretty, right? right? And right. so I have a whole bunch and I hang them all over our tree. And I, I believe I got them for our tree, you know, and sometimes sure. my kids are like, no, don't put up the Chinese charms. I'm like, of course we're going to put up the Chinese Hello, charms. Too bad. <laughs> yeah, on the tree. And it just helps us remember uh, China. Yes. And then I also, every year I try to um, get something for the kids that reminds them of their time in China, which which overlaps. It's like their childhood, right? Because they grew up mm-hmm. eight years there. And mm-hmm. then it's also something to do with China. So, um, like... A Lego set. It happened to be a um, dragon boat, a dragon boat festival Lego set. So that was cool. Yes. And then, not necessarily Chinese. So one year I gave them this um, nativity set, Playmobil. Maybe it is Playmobil. And um, somebody had loaned it to us in China because she mm-hmm. they had kids that were already big, and my children were little, and so it just has it was. It's a beautiful set. And mm-hmm. so um, when we we always had to get it, give it back every year, and there was like this metaphor too, like we had lost Jesus, you know, because it's <laughs> it's little, and so like, uh-huh. we gave the set back. We were like, we don't know where Jesus is, but then we found him. <laughs> we're like, we found Jesus. So, like, so um, but but here in the United States, we didn't have it anymore, and so I found it like a used set online, and then I gave it Aww. to the boys, um, like in separate like. 
a third to one boy, a third to another boy, yes. and a third to another boy. Yes. They unwrapped their, their presents and they're like, oh, this is from this old set. So um, right. I try to do that. And I actually, I don't know when I'm going to do that this year. I've got to think about that. Oh, yeah. Something mm. mm-hmm. to help them remember. Let's listen to the global holiday stories that our social media and email subscribers had to share with us about Christmas and New Year's. And our first two stories are from Japan, right? Yes. So the so Megan says, when I was a missionary in Japan from 2001 to 2002, my friend from college at Fresno Pacific University, Amy, and her friend she met teaching in Taiwan came over to Osaka for their Christmas. It was so nice to have another familiar face, in addition to my roommate, Lisa, also from Fresno Pacific University. My mom has sent me over a small light-up Christmas tree. Oh, that played Christmas carols. We rocked out, laughed until we cried, and explored more of Osaka together. I will always remember that Christmas. Mm. Oh, I love that you had you had pe- familiar people come over to help you celebrate a familiar holiday. Thanks, Megan. Mm. My my husband's parents came and spent a Christmas with us, um, our last Christmas in Peru, and it was so. It was just so sweet to have people from our North American world come and join us in our South American world. Oh, I love definitely. that. And that was the same for our last Christmas. We had our two brother-in-laws come visit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was great. I had all these men in my house. Holy moly. <laughs> Thanks, Megan, for reminding us of, of those sweet memories. So Kat also shared a story from her Christmas in Japan. And she said, one thing I'll always hold dear about Christmas in Japan is the food. Somewhere along the way, the execs at Kentucky Fried Chicken convinced the entire nation of Japan that fried chicken is the traditional Christmas meal in America. Families will pre-order their Christmas meals from Kentucky to make sure they have their quote-unquote traditional Christmas fried chicken on the 25th. The other traditional Christmas food in Japan is a white cake with strawberries, usually ordered from a convenience store like 7-Eleven or Seiko Market. Our Japanese friends were shocked to find out that not only do Americans not eat fried chicken for Christmas, but of all the desserts that Christmas brings, cake isn't usually one of them. Yeah, these traditions get translated, right? Yes. (laughs) I, I mean, love that was that. a brilliant marketing scheme by the Kentucky Fried Chicken people Gosh. in Japan. <laughs> Kentucky Fried Chicken is, well, I, I mean, in Latin America, I know it's there. Yep. I know it's in yep. China. Yeah. Kentucky yeah, Fried Chicken is must down. be everywhere. Is it in Europe? Is it in Africa? Mm, somebody I tell don't know. us. I don't somebody know. tell us. I wonder if Kat, if, if she gets Kentucky, if their family eats Kentucky Fried Chicken now around Christmas time just for the memory of it. <laughs> we'll have to ask her. <laughs> and white cake and white cake from with strawberries. It does sound yummy though, but no, not but not a it's definitely not a Christmas typical Christmas thing here. <laughs>
Listen in as Shireen tells us about celebrating Christmas in India and in the Middle East. So, one of the things um, I come from the south of India. I come from the state of Tamil Nadu. In India, we we have the tradition of going to church um, for watch night service on Christmas Eve, or we go to church very early in the morning because um, they like to celebrate um, celebrate Christmas either at at midnight. So service starts at eleven thirty, or you go um, for service at 3 a.m., which is kind of absurdly early, but it's considered um, similar to a sunrise service. So you would go to service around 3 to 3.30, and um, and so the service ends when um, the sun rises. And so, um, so for both the services, um, you would end the service and you would have a small fellowship outside with a cup of coffee or tea and a slice of um, fruitcake, which is very traditional. And as you can see, some of these things about the fruitcake and or the plum cake um, has its roots in the colonial history. And um, it hasn't really left because it's part of the tradition of India. And I think there are just things from the colonial history, which we have adopted as our own. And so um, that's why that is there. Um, so I grew up in the Middle East and I grew up doing the 1130 services in the Middle East with my parents and our friends. And so um, we would have a cup of coffee or a slice of cake and a slice of cake after service. But what my parents and all of their friends did growing up was on the drive back home from church, there was this little gas station with a convenience store and the guy who owned it was a South Indian. And he always kept a store open um, on these major hot, like uh, weekends because growing up in the Middle East, um, 24th and 25th of December were not technically national holidays because it is an Islamic nation. But he knew that there would be a lot of people driving back home from church. And so he would keep his store open. And what he also had was he had a little kitchen and he would make the most amazing chicken burgers. And so for a number of years growing up, my family and all of our friends, we would um, we would finish church and on the drive home, which is probably around 2.30 or 3 in the morning, we would stop at the convenience store and we would all order burgers and French fries. And all, all us kids would sit on the on the trunk of the car and, you know, we would just eat that. And I and that still sticks in my head because they were hot and they were tasty. So it was always very nice to get that meal. In India, my cousins and I, when I was younger and we went to India for Christmas service, after the Christmas service was over around one thirty or 2 o'clock, my older cousins, and my cousins are like 10 years older than me, they would take all us younger cousins to a nearby um, restaurant. And he would stay open because a lot of the stores would stay open late in the night on Christmas Eve because people would come out to celebrate. Um, but he always made the most amazing milkshakes. And so we would go up there and we would all get mango milkshakes or strawberry milkshakes. And it was just fun because it, we we would go with the older cousins. And so there weren't really any adults there. Our parents weren't there. And it was close enough to home. So it was just like a 10-minute drive. And so we'd go there, we'd all get the milkshakes and we'd, we'd have them and then we'd come back home. And that was just a memory that I have. But um, yeah, it was usually a couple of sleep deprived days because most of us wouldn't sleep much on the 24th and we wouldn't sleep much on the 25th either. I've, I've lived outside of India and 
and the Middle East for so many years now that um, I can look back fondly on some of these things. Our children are not necessarily used to it, um, but um, times have changed. And I think some people retain the tradition while others have built on it to make things maybe more efficient and um, to make things more meaningful. Because while traditions are great, I do believe that one shouldn't be tied down to traditions. One should be able to use them for the greater good with purpose and intentionality so that we can really celebrate um, the season of Advent and Christmas meaningfully. Yeah. Shireen, thank you for sharing that. That, And I, I do appreciate that, um, that our traditions should be purposeful and meaningful. And we can make new traditions in our family, right? We can mm-hmm. throw out, <laughs> throw out, or mm-hmm. pause on maybe what we think is not mm-hmm. as purposeful, and we can mm-hmm. bring in traditions that are more meaningful to us. So I like that, and and I think that you know, as as we each form our own families, and then also we tie in our global um, our global experiences. That's an opportunity to make these traditions. Yes. Yes, and to pick and choose which ones from which places we want to continue to embrace and celebrate. Yeah. So Harold sent a story about uh, New Year's and from when they lived in Panama. And he said, when we lived in Panama City, our house was built on a lot that was quite high above the street level. So our front porch was perhaps four or five feet above the sidewalk and overlooked the street and the houses on the other side that were built at street level. On New Year's Eve, it was the Panama City tradition for people to create a paper mache version of the old man or old year and to fill it with fireworks. Our neighbors across the street would do that and place it on the street in front of their house. At midnight on New Year's Eve, they would light the old man with a match and watch it burn. And as it did, the fireworks began to go off and at times they would fly across the street in our direction. We enjoyed watching the excitement, but at times had to dodge the fireworks if they came too, if they went, if they flew too far. We were often eating watermelon out on the porch while we watched since Christmas and New Year's is watermelon season in Panama. (laughs) That's so interesting. He says, now many years later, living in Fresno, we also experienced many firecrackers and even aerial fireworks being set off by those in our neighborhood, mostly on 4th of July, but also sometimes on New Year's Eve. That Hmm. is very true. Yeah, my husband grew up with fireworks on New Year's Eve and Christmas. They did fireworks. I, my, my husband and I, when we were newlyweds, uh, had only been married for a couple of years. We got, we went to visit some friends in Cali, Colombia one year for New Year's Eve. And we got to take part in this tradition as well, the Año Viejo that, um, that they, so that must, did you ever do this, this burning of the old man, Tracy, in anywhere that you lived in Latin America? Did they do that in Mexico? You know, I was never in Mexico during New Year Day. Um, oh, but I can talk okay. about China because they they start 
their new year, right, with fireworks to scare off the old year. So Nian okay. is a, it's like a monster, and actually that's the word for year. And so they traditionally, and oh. then they they set off fireworks to scare them off and keep them away. Ah, interesting, interesting. And of well, course, fire and gunpowders from China, right? Right. Yes. All of the world gets to thank China. Not fires from China, fireworks are from China. Fireworks, yes. Gunpowder and fireworks, yes. Well, Monica shared a story from Ecuador also about the New Year old man burning. So let's listen to Monica's story. Hi, so this is my New Year's Eve story. Here in Ecuador, New Year's Eve is a big deal. And the tradition is to burn the old man. So the year that is ending is the old man. And there are even widows, so-called widows, that come and cry for the old man. And so they ask for money for the funeral or so. And sometimes the old man leaves a will. So the old man leaves uh, a boyfriend for (laughs) a single girl in the family or the friend group. uh, Or it might leave... For example, Ecuador has a new president now, so it might leave good wishes for the new president and stuff like that. Also, it's interesting because the livelihood of many people depends on making these años viejos. And so there are some people, especially in Guayaquil, that make these huge dolls. Usually those are of a cartoon um, or animated character, like it might be Superman or... The Simpsons, or a special character from a movie that has been big in the year. So some people in Guayaquil make these, like, huge, huge años viejos, so that in New Year's Eve celebrations they are burnt, and they are burnt um, carrying the collective frustration of people for the things that didn't go well in the year, and since the new year is being born, and so... You have to burn the old man, and you have to burn the old man before the new year, the new, the old year, sorry, ends. And so it's very interesting. And so when I lived in the states, I just thought New Year's Eve was kind of boring, because <laughs> there wasn't a lot going on. Maybe on TV, watching the New York ball descend or something. But here in Ecuador, it's really fun, and yeah. So you burn the old year and send with the old year all the bad things that happened yeah it's it's very fun and creative and not that healthy for the environment and the air quality but it's a really fun ecuadorian tradition yeah and that's that is so interesting about the part about a will and all those other things and that reminds me that when we were in Colombia and they made the año viejo that they were burning our friends did part of what they did besides stuffing it with fireworks is they would write on little pieces of paper they would write down like instead of it being new year's resolutions for what you like here we may be people will make resolutions for what they're going to do in the year to come. They would write down things that they did, like maybe that they wanted to forget or regrets that they had. Like, so they would write down these, you know, repentance type things and they would stuff those into the año viejo, into the old man. So those would get burned up with the old year. So Mm. any of your bad memories, 
you would also, you know, burn up along with the Yeah, very symbolic. Past. Oh, so I remembered, I don't know, I was never in Spain for New Year's, but um, I know they eat grapes. And I, and I believe that they do that in Mexico now that I think about it, because I think that we... I think that we might do that in my family from El Salvador. <laughs> There's grapes. Okay. There's grapes oh. involved. With each strike yeah. of the bell, you're supposed to eat a grape. I've heard that. And yes. I'm not sure the symbolism. Okay. But you better eat. Hopefully the grapes aren't too big. Right. I just remember, and I'm remembering now in Peru. So, so oh my goodness, there were so many fireworks that, like now forever, fireworks always remind me of Peru. And um, the New Year's Eve night, I remember like they were exploding up above where we were and just all over town. And I was shocked at how loud it was because especially back then, people didn't do as many big fireworks like that here. And, um, but one of the, the traditions that we thought were amusing when in Peru, you're supposed, for good luck on the new year, you're supposed, everybody's supposed to wear yellow underwear. So the shops and every, and places like all sell yellow underwear for, it's like just one of the things, but, and it's not like high quality. You're going to wear it a hundred times. It's just like cheap. You know, <laughs> cheaply okay. made kind of, you know, but it was like yellow underwear where you'd see places. And you're supposed to fill up a suitcase and walk around the block with the suitcase at midnight or something. Like there was something about suitcases. Wait, and, so did you like, see people walking around with suitcases? Well, and that's the that thing. Like weird. I remember people talking about that, but I don't remember ever actually seeing it. So I, I don't know if that was just like an old thing that people used to do. Or if that's something, but I, but we definitely saw people selling the yellow underwear. So that part, somebody must've been buying it. I don't know who, but you know, it just goes to show there's interesting traditions that take place all over the world. <laughs> yeah. After talking about um, yellow underwear and burning old men, Let's end with Shireen's story about celebrating New Year's in India. In in India, and I'm I'm not sure in which other which other country this happens, we also have a New Year's Eve service. So everybody goes to church on New Year's Eve or New Year's Day. And for New Year's Eve in South India, specifically where I come from, all of the women would wear their wedding saris to the New Year's Eve service. It was almost as if they were kind of um, commemorating their wedding day, even if it wasn't their wedding anniversary, but it was just kind of a sign of new beginnings as you're stepping into the new year. So you go to church at 1130 and 12 o'clock is when New Year rings and we ring in the new year. And um, every all of the women, as, as long as the sari wasn't falling apart because the older you get, the sari starts to wear down but i've worn it a number of times and so um wearing a silk sari wearing your wedding sari for new year's eve service is um extremely traditional wow i love the idea of wearing a wedding sari every year for new year's right for new year's eve that must be beautiful and also it's great to be able to wear your wedding clothes more than once. Yes. Brilliant. 
What a fun and beautiful tradition. Hearing these stories can inspire us to adopt new traditions. You know what? I feel like some Kentucky Fried Chicken right now. And I'm going to get some grapes. Mm. And I'm going to go get some panettone and some okay. hot chocolate. And <laughs> oh, well, everybody, thank you for sharing your stories with us and for listening to our stories this year. It has been really a an honor to spend time with you this way. And we just want to say thank you for being part of our Round Trip Stories community. Definitely. And we hope that these stories have encouraged you and um, made you think about maybe some new traditions that you'd like to adopt, maintain, and keep in your family. We heard Christmas and New Year's stories from around the world. We heard about fried chicken and chicken sandwiches, taking time to celebrate simply in the quiet or loudly with fireworks or music, late night celebrations, and the burning of the old year. These can be celebrations we miss or will no longer miss because we continue to bring bits of our times abroad into our current lives now, even during the holidays. And we should, because they are a part of us. During these special weeks, we pray that you find joy in this holiday season, wherever and whenever that may be. We encourage you to take it slow and keep it simple. Remember how you celebrated with family and friends in the past in another place. Bring those memories forth, acknowledge them through smiles, tears, food, a decoration or a walk through a photo album and some special music. At the same time, try to savor the season in the place where you are now. Remember that Jesus too was from two places and lived his own round trip story. May you feel joy in remembering his arrival this year and hope as you look forward to more adventures and experiences in the year to come. We'll be back in a few weeks to kick off 2024 and season two of our round trip stories podcast. If you haven't yet, please sign up for our email list at roundtripstories.com and follow us on social media at Round Trip Stories Podcast. We would love to get to know you and hear your stories too. Feliz Navidad y feliz año nuevo. Merry Christmas. And Happy New Year, friends. Thanks so much for listening to the Round Trip Stories Podcast. We'll see you next year. I remember one of my kids bought me a nativity set and from just one of the, uh, you know, the, the big stores. And I believe it was kind of funny because I believe that it was from China. Um, but so of course. there was a lot of, of, yes. And all of the characters in this nativity set looked like Santa. They all had white beards. Oh Every my single, <laughs> except for Mary and the angel. And every character from the shepherd to Joseph to everybody had these white beards. And so I actually painted them. I colored the skin on most of them so that they were not quite so pale. And I colored so that they had different colored beards because I was like, what is, what is with this? 
when people don't understand like the separation between the secular tradition and the religious tradition, it can get a little bit silly. Uh, it made Look at me that. laugh. And and there was a cow, and then there was another animal that looked like a cow's face, but it had two humps on its back. So I was like, is it a cow or is it a camel? I don't know what. The- Oh my goodness. So like the mold, somebody forgot to change the face on the the camel for that mold. Who knows what? Yeah, who knows?